God's ministry too. We are blessed to have our lead ministry pastor, Pastor Andrew, bringing God's Word. We're doing a lot of encouraging, but we want to be encouraging people. So encourage Andrew as he comes to share with us now. I feel like I'm back in my days as phys ed, uh, setting up a bit of a lesson here. Any good phys ed teachers would know that you do this before the lesson starts, so you can get straight into it, but you'll have to bear with me for one moment. I think we're nearly there. There you go. I'm going to turn this one around. Here we go. We'll go that way, sorry. Very good. We are about to launch a series in the book of Joshua, and uh, before we did that, I thought... Uh, It'd be great to have a little bit of a flyover in terms of what God was doing in history, how God was working, and I thought I'd use this little illustration for us. Why I love reading the Old Testament, and particularly this story, there are two reasons. One is I love reading the Old Testament because I feel we see the grand nature, the, the majesty, the power of God on another level. What I mean by that is we, as we read the Old Testament, we see God, in a sense, like using the most powerful leaders and nations of the world just to move them according to his plans and purposes. We see that, and we see it in the life of Israel in this story within Joshua. The other thing that I love is God is so relational, and actually, as we look at this story It's a story of history and God's intervention, but it is also your story and my story. And I want to show us that this morning. And as we look at this passage, I'm going to break it up into two parts. One is the process, the journey God was taking Israel on. Um, And the process, the way God works in our life. And then the second part, I want to look at the principles There's principles in this story that we can then live by and apply to our own life. So if you look at the story of Israel, they were chosen as God's special people and he made a covenant relationship with them. He committed to them. He was going to love them. He'd never leave them. He'd always be faithful to them. But just before we pick up the story of Joshua, we find the Israelites, I'm not sure if you see these chains up the back, you might not, but living... Um, in slavery. They, they lived underneath the Egyptian regime. There was a power at work above them and they were slaves in Egypt. They were oppressed and they were suffering with no freedom. That, that's where they were. And the scriptures say that in this place they cried out to God and from heaven God heard them and he Re, you know, um, brought them out of slavery across the Red Sea. I, I've got a list this just in case you can't see it at the back. Blue cones here for the, my sea. They're crossing the Red Sea out of slavery, coming across. And you might remember, God did this miraculously through 10 plagues. He then had, uh, the final thing was the, the angel of death passing through. But those who would be saved would be the ones who put the the blood of the lamb above their doorpost. You can read it in Exodus, the story. And they were brought out of slavery across the Red Sea. He parted that, didn't he? He parted the Red Sea. The the walls of the the water were there. They walked straight through. And then as they went through, that water flooded and killed 
or you know, defeated the enemy. The enemy was gone and they were brought into freedom. And then they came, one of the promises God made them, he said, I'll make you a great nation, great people, um, and I'll, I'll give you a land, a home, a promised land. So you can see that here, a promised land. This is where God was taking them, to the promised land. And you might know it, it, it was described as a land flowing with milk and honey. That's a bit of a weird description, isn't it? Milk and honey. Basically, it's meaning it would be a place of um, prosperity, like milk, all your animals will be, you know, have all they need. There'll be no dramas with, with the provision of milk. Honey, if bees are there, there's, there's nature, there's trees. It's just fertile soil and it's a place where they would belong. They're in slavery, they've got their own place, a place of security and a place of fullness of life. This is where he wanted to bring them. And so he brings them out of slavery And then Moses leads the people, probably two million people at this stage, out of slavery, and they come, and God's saying, I wanna take you into the promised land. The Jordan's there, promised land's there, and Moses says, let's send 12 spies to go in, before we take this promised land, I want you spies to go in, check what's there, check, check the crops, Check the, the, the cities, check the people, see how strong they are. Uh, look at the, the cities, uh, you know, what do they look like? And bring home some fruit. And you might remember they got this big bunch of grapes they had, actually had to carry between two poles. It was amazing. And they came back and they said, it, it truly is a land flowing with milk and honey. It is amazing. It is incredible. The crops, it is the best. But they said, Moses, within this land are giants. As they said, they said these people, are, you, don't, you wouldn't believe how big they are. They're, they're giants. When we look at them, we feel like grasshoppers. That's what they said. When, when we look at them, they are massive. There, there is no way that we are going to go into the promised land. You see that? God said, I, I've promised. It's a promise. But they say, look, look at these giants. There's no way that we're going to go into that promised land, Moses. And because of their unbelief, they turned back and they even said, why would we go there? I would prefer to go back to slavery, is what they said. And because of their unbelief, they never went in there but they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, the desert, just to lift this, this is our deserts, yellow, go with that one. There we go. So they spent these years because they didn't have the faith, they didn't trust God that he would be able to take them into the promised land. As I said, this is where Joshua stands about to lead the people in. But as I said, this is not just Israel's story, This is your story and this is my story. Because if we look at this story, and this isn't God amazing, he's using historical events to teach us about who we are and who he is. We are born into slavery in that we have a sinful nature within us. A sinful nature and the human self by itself will lead to bondage and slavery and a sense of oppression, it's hard. 
you know, as I describe it, it's like there's a nature within us that is even more powerful than us, that we do what we don't want to do, we don't do what we want to do because there's a sinful nature within us. And it, and it feels like we are oppressed because of that. We are in like chains. But praise be to God, let me read this little passage that speaks of God hearing those who cry out. So the, the people of Egypt in slavery, they cried out to God. And let's, let's hear God's response. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. Humanity in this position, the brokenness of the world, addiction, uh, you know, being bound, being feeling like we're slaves to various people and things in this world. He says, I see their misery. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drives and I'm concerned about their suffering. Don't, don't you love that? That God is concerned about us. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, what he said. But he says, I have come down to rescue you, to rescue humanity from this position in Jesus. That he would break the chains of slavery, uh, represented by the blood on the doors, break the chains and bring them into freedom. And as we look at this crossing of the Red Sea and and the, the moving out of slavery into freedom, we see it is through the death of Jesus. That as we put our trust in him, there is forgiveness of sins and there is a life leading to freedom and ultimately our spiritual inheritance. The spiritual inheritance, if you read Ephesians 1, it will speak of the spiritual inheritance that we have in Jesus that God wants to lead us into, that we are blameless, that we are forgiven, that we are sons and daughters of God. In Jesus, he wants to bring us to this place and then ultimately, the end of the story, the fullness of that in eternity. But in our story today, we see Joshua here. Now just imagine Joshua for a moment. Two million people he's leading. He's, he himself went in and saw these giants. They're all there. And he's standing this side of the Jordan and God says, take my people into the promised land. How is he feeling right now? He, he knows the battle ahead. Moses has just died. He, he would be probably shaking in his boots. I don't want you to see Joshua as this incredible, fearless hero. Like he's probably shaking in his boots saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do this. I'm going to need you. But God says to him, be strong and courageous. At this point, Joshua has a few options, doesn't he? He can, he can go forward in faith, being strong and courageous and trusting God will do what he said he would do. Or he has a possibility to turn back to slavery or turn back to where he is comfortable rather than going forward and experiencing God and taking all that God has for him. This is the story of Joshua. This is where we pick it up. But before we go there, I just want to think about your life, my life, where God is leading us and ask the question, what are the giants 
in our life? What what are the things in our life thinking where we go, God, that just seems too big for me? And that could be something he's calling you to do or it could be a part of our lives where we just don't want want God to go there but it just seems too, too big. God, I know you can do miracles for other people or things in other people's life but that's just too big for me. There's an element of doubt or potentially fear or you are walking in there with trepidation and fear because you, you just don't know how it's going to work out. You just don't know how God's going to do it, but he's promised it. And today, before I go on, I just want to take a moment of reflection for us to ask God to speak to us about the giants in our lives, where he's leading us, what is holding us back? What are the giants there that are stopping us from moving forward in God's plans and purposes for us? And in doing that, I just want you just to close your eyes just where you are. And Lord, I just ask by your Holy Spirit, you would just reveal to us and maybe things will come to you now, just either giants, different situations or circumstances in your own heart, in your own relationships, maybe what God has asked you to do that seems so big. And Lord, we just pray that you show us what they could be. It could be little things in our life, could be bigger, but areas that Lord want, the Lord wants to work in our lives to lead to greater life and greater freedom. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I did that just for a moment because I just, everyone's giants are going to look very different, but... But God wants to, to work in as we look at them on something to hang these next principles off. How do you walk forward in those situations that God brought to your mind? So let's look at some of the principles that we learn from the life of Joshua. So if we look at um, Joshua 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give them. I'm about to give them. We've got to understand it's a promise he has for them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So as we see Joshua maybe knocking his knees, so nervous, maybe full of fear, wondering, God, how are we going to do this? God says two things, two main things in that passage there. Be strong and courageous. To to go forward with God in situations in our life, we have to be strong and courageous. That's our part, to keep walking forward, to not turn back, but to be strong and courageous. And the second thing he says, it's going to be my work and my power. I'll just read that. It says, I am about to give you this land. I will give you every place you set your feet. No one will ever be able to stand against you. I will never leave you or forsake you. You will lead these people to inherit the land. God said, this is, this is my work and I'm going to do it. It'll come through my power. 
I read one commentary where they're talking about the crossing of the, the Red Sea was Jesus' death. Trust in him, bring us out of slavery. And, and they were saying that this, the crossing of the Jordan is like the death of self. That as you look at the Jordan, as Joshua looked at, the, at crossing the Jordan into the promised land, it would not be his power. It would not be his resources. It would not be his way. He had to lay that down and say, God, this is way too big and too great for me. It's going to have to be you and it's going to have to be your way. And God was saying, be strong and courageous because I'm going to do it. But are you willing to lay down your way and your power? Because what we, when we look at the giants with our own power, no, of course we're going to look at that and go, I'm going this way. But what is God is saying, believe me, trust me, into this land, I will give it to you under my power. It's not going to be you, Joshua. God loves to lead us into places we need him. We, we don't necessarily need him in this place, but when we walk into these places, we need God. I actually believe it. If God is speaking to us, he's wanting to work in our life, it'll be in a place that we need him and we need his power. Unless he does it, it's not going to happen. And so he needed God's power. Now Joshua had seen before God give amazing victories. I love the story in Exodus 17 where the Amalekites came to attack the Israelites and Moses was leading at the time. I love his response. He says, Joshua, go and get the battle, go and get the, the soldiers ready, go and get the people ready. You lead them into battle. I'm going to the mountain to pray. Do you like that? I love that. The, the, the giant's coming, the big situation that's bigger than us. Joshua, you lead the people. I'm going to the mountain to pray. Moses' first response was to pray. When, when challenges in life come, may it be our first response to pray. The greatest thing we can do, the best thing we can do is to pray. And, and, and Moses knew it. He walked up the mountain and then he began to pray, looking over the, the plains and seeing the battle. And you might remember the, the story. He's there praying. And as his arms are up and they're praying, they are winning the battle. As soon as he gets tired and they drop, they start to lose the battle. And Aaron and her were there holding his arms up that they would win this battle in prayer. Our victories in life are not won, they are received. They're won by God and received by us. The victory happens in like a spiritual realm before it comes into the physical through prayer. As we pray. And there's this little note in this scripture in, in 17 that I love that, that says, then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. You see that? This whole story of me praying and the battle being won down there. Joshua's leading the army down there, but make sure he knows that the victory was won as we were praying. And he said, you know, for whatever reason, God is saying, make sure Joshua knows that. As he leads Israel, that the battle belongs to the Lord, victory will come through prayer. And I want to say to us as people, prayer is our greatest gift 
in our life, in our workplace, in our family, in our relationships, in, in, in all of our life, the greatest gift God has given us is prayer. To, to cry out to God and say, God, would you please work in this situation? Help in this, as, as you're driving to work, as you're going into a meeting, as you're going out to a, of a meeting, pray, pray, pray. Because as we pray, the power of God is outworking in our life and he is doing things that are far beyond us. And I wanna encourage us, we must learn to pray. And if that starts with the simple pray, prayer, help me God, that's good. But at the very least, recognise there is a God that is for you, that loves you, that wants to be involved in your life and access that power and his presence through praying. If you're like me and find it hard just to pray by yourself, find a partner to pray with that you can pray with. If you, you know, can't do it by yourself, come to one of the prayer meetings. But we want, if we want to see God's power at work in our life, we must pray. Victory comes through prayer. And secondly, as we look at this, this passage, the first thing is that, that he cries out for help beyond himself. And um, this week I had a little bit of an impossible task in, in my front yard. Now, for, for many years, actually, Nat has been talking to me about getting rid of these, um, uh, what are they called, palm trees. As, as, uh, something cane palm, I can't remember what it is. We'll see a photo there in a moment. That is, that's our front yard. And um, you can imagine how many palm fronds I've picked up over the years. Like, incredible amount. Not to mention the nuts that drop off and go into the drainage system. And not to mention my wife probably wanted a different look in our front yard. So there was a task before me to move these palm fronds. Now, for the sake of the illustration, just, just imagine with me that I look at that situation, that giant in my life, and think, well, let's take that on. Now, I go to my garage and find the best tool that I have, and it would be a handsaw. That, that, that would be my best. I go there, and you imagine me chop, chopping down, I don't know how many canes, there are hundreds of canes, and then chopping them down to fit on a ute. It would have taken, I don't know, 20 ute loads to do it, and then I've done all of that, and then I realise there's a root system to dig out. Like, does that not seem overwhelming? Do you, do you understand why I didn't try and do that? I, I didn't try and do that in my own strength. What I did was cry out for help, for a power beyond myself. I took a photo of that as I went to work, and I sent it to Sam Bowden. I said, Sam, I don't know what work you do, but do you remove things like this? Oh, he sent me a text and he said, yep, sure, no problems, I can do it tomorrow. I was like, oh, my wife was very happy. She was very happy. And we might have a photo of Sam at work on these palms, bringing in a power beyond himself or myself. And I watched it, truly, I watched it before my eyes, happening in an incredible way. And I imagined myself trying to do that by myself and I thought, that is incredible. Let that be a picture for our Christian life. Impossible situations, sometimes we can take them on ourselves. And we 
we are just banging our head against a brick wall. Can you imagine how many hours I would have done? And I cry out to the right person with the right power, and it's done in hours. God loves you. God makes himself available to you. All you need to do in every situation in your life is to cry out to him and ask him to do what you can't do. And you see impossible things. That was impossible. You see impossible things happen because of his intervention and his power in our lives. Church, we must pray. We must humble ourselves before God and ask him to do greater things than we can imagine. And Joshua's life, as he went in, was there. He saw God at work in miraculous ways. The first thing is, it's God's, God's power through prayer. Secondly, we see God give him another instruction as he's going to take is to hear his voice and to obey. Look at verse 7 to 9. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you, all the instructions. Be careful to obey. Do not turn from it to the right. Do not turn to the left. There's a promise here that you may be successful wherever you go. Success rides, God's success rides on obeying his word. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Did you see that? Be careful to obey all the Lord. Do not turn from the left to right. Meditate on it day and night. Hearing his voice and obeying leads to success. Now, the good thing is, when we're in this place of being... (laughs) Out of our depth, one is you're going to want to pray and two is you're going to want to hear God's voice. When we're living back here, there's not much of a sense of need for God. But when we're living out here, we're going to want to pray and we're going to want to hear God's voice. I am sure Josh was like, okay, there's the walls of Jericho, God. (laughs) What are we going to do here? And throughout Joshua, you hear it says, the Lord said and Joshua obeyed. The Lord said and Joshua obeyed the power of God at work, as we humble ourselves. That's what I said. Here is where it's no longer Andrew. As I go into this land, if I'm going to have some victory in these spaces, it's not going to be my power and it's not going to be my way. It's like Jericho walls, okay, maybe a bit of this or that. No, no, no. What's God say? Don't even try to predict how he's going to you know, give you victory in these spaces. Just all you want to do is just know his voice and obey. Hear his voice and obey, meditate on God's word day and night. I had one of those parent moments recently. Um, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I was in one room and I said to my, my children, I said, oh, could you just come in, pick up your shoes, pick up your school bags and put them away? And just sat there, continued to read or whatever I was doing. Nothing had happened. <laughs> so I said again, kids, kids, could you just come, pick up your shoes, pick up your bags, put them away? Nothing. It might have been a little while now, just trying to be patient, wait. Kids, could you come? 
my patience was running out, but I was asking God for patience. And I said, kids, can you just come here? Just come here. Just try to get them in front of me. And I said, kids, you know, when, when, I, when I ask you to do something, when you hear my voice, what I really would want is just an acknowledgement that you've heard me at the very least. And just as I said that, it was like God saying to me, yes, Andrew. When you hear my voice, I'm looking for you to obey. That's what God wants, that we would obey. And as we obey, as we hear his voice and obey, he will take us to these places. But when the interesting thing is, as I thought of that story, is the kids had their own agenda. They were playing with their games. They were playing with their toys. But when it's not about our own agenda, like when it is, sorry, when it is about our own agenda, God's voice is a distance voice and it's probably even an annoying voice because I'm on about my own agenda. They're on about their cards and their footy cards and cars or whatever it was. And my voice was distant weren't even really looking to hear it, and it was nearly annoying. But when we lay down our life, and when we go into these places that God's calling us to, one is we're wanting to hear God's voice. I don't want to take one more step, God, unless I know you're in it, and you're, you're, you're going to lead me, and you're going to work. Because I don't want it to be my way, I want it to be your way. So do you see there, the Bible becomes not just this religious exercise, it's this sense of, God, I need to know your voice in this situation. What do you say? What does your word say in this situation? And as I know that, even if it means I have to be strong and courageous, I'm going to obey it and trust that you are going to empower your promises in my life. Because there are promises that he has said and that he will keep if we obey and walk in faith into those promises. Let me just read this, this amazing scripture in, 2 Peter 1, 3-4, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Then it says, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Participate in the divine nature through these precious promises. So as we walk into our life to, to take hold of the fullness of what God has for us, there is going to be opposition. God had promised it, but there is going to be opposition. Joshua knew that. There, there are going to be these giants that are going to say, are you really loved? Is God really for you? Is God really big enough to look after you? Are you really forgiven? Or, or are you worthy of God's love? Is God really big enough if you step out in faith? Is God really big enough to look after you? There, there is going to be opposition. I can tell you. I can guarantee we're going to have opposition until that final glorious inheritance in heaven. We are having, we will have opposition. And God says to us, be strong and courageous. Walk into the fullness of all that I have for you, but you're going to have to know my voice and you're going to have to stand on my promises.
Don't listen to these giants. You're not worthy. You're not forgiven. God's not enough. Don't listen to them. Don't turn away because of those voices, those giants. Listen to my voice. And God empowers His promises. God is faithful. If God said it, He'll do it. I often see, like, the Bible is like we're, we're mining for the promises of God, thousands of promises of God within the Bible that we can hold on to. And I see the promises like a check. Take it to the bank. I'll even say it to myself sometimes. Take that to the bank. I am with you. Holy dooly, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm taking that promise to the bank. God, you are with me. I feel weak. Well, God says, my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. Well, I'm going to take that to the bank. I'm not going to turn back. But I'm going to take that promise to the bank. The evil one would say, how could God ever use you? Sin in your life, you make mistakes. Well, it's His grace. I'm taking that to the bank. And the Christian life is knowing God's voice, knowing God's promise, walking with a God that wants to take us through things that look impossible, take us to freedom and love and life, a fullness of life, walking us through, hanging on to His hand and just holding on to His promises through that. And so to finish today, you know, in, in your minds maybe there was some situations, some circumstances in your life which seem too big, which maybe you've even, often is the case with me. God's already spoken to me. I'm not, I'm not unaware of these things that I might have turned away from or find it hard to trust God in. Maybe He's reminded you today and His word to you is be strong and courageous. Don't turn back. Will you trust me in it? And as you walk in it, listen to my voice and obey and it'll be my work in my way, not yours. And that's His offer for us, His power in our life, His, His miracles in, in our life, His grace coming in our life. And so to finish today, just wonder, like we'll pray together. I just wanna pray over us as a people. But as I pray, you have in mind those challenges in your life, those big things, those things you wanna trust God with. Maybe even the promises that you're gonna to take to the bank in that situation, but you're gonna step and you're gonna be strong and courageous in them. Would you pray with me? And just maybe have in mind and even start a conversation with God even in your own heart. Lord, I wanna thank you that you never ever change. You're the same yesterday, today, forever. Lord, you're the creator, you're big, bigger than nations, bigger than Pharaoh, any number of rulers, Lord. And yet you care for us. I love that, Lord, that you hear from heaven. You hear the cries for help. And if you're crying out to God now, whether you're online or here, Lord, I want you to know that He hears your cry. I want you to know that He loves you. I want you to know that it's no accident even that you're listening to my voice. And so, Lord, I want to pray for each one as we all have those giants, those challenges, those situations and circumstances in our lives. Lord, I want to pray 
that you would help us to be strong and courageous. Help us to take the natural steps of faith that you're leading us into. Lord, we want to live differently. Lord, we, we want to live knowing your voice and knowing your promises, meditating upon your word, Lord, that, Lord, we would be guided by you. Not, not my plans, not my power, but yours, Lord. And so, Lord, I recognise it's hard, Lord, many of us struggle to read the word or struggle to pray. Lord, I want to pray that you would help us. We want to live differently. Lord, as a church, there's, there's visions and corporately, we want to be a people that pray, that expect great things from you, not because we're special, but because you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just show us what it means in the smallest things of life, just taking daily steps of obedience, continuing to trust you to do what only you can do, to the bigger aspects of our life, that, Lord, we know that we are safe and secure in you that your plans are good. And Father, I just want to pray, Lord, if our life is all about our agenda, our ways, our power, that Lord, if we've never, you know, I know we never do it perfectly, but if you're just reminding any of us today that there's a need for surrender, that life is not about us it's not about our plans, our agendas. It's not going to be our power that does anything. It's going to be you. If that's you today, I just pray, even in your hearts now, just say, Lord, I surrender. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. I want, want your life for me, not my life for me. And just lay that down. And I encourage you to talk to someone about that. If God's really speaking to you about that today, talk to someone, ask for prayer. But Lord, your power will work through surrendered people. And Lord, we ask that you help us be surrendered people. That you would come. We would be empty vessels for you to be able to use in this world and in a world that so much needs your love and your grace and your peace. That Lord, we'd carry your presence into these places. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song. I, I, again, I love this song. It talks about God being the same God. As we read the Scriptures, we, we read all the incredible things that He did. He's the same today. Just respond in worship, you know, how great He is. Worship Him. You know, continue to speak to Him about anything He might be speaking to you. Let's worship now together.